You're listening to the After The Show podcast, the weekly movie review show from your friends at ascully.com. Alright, what we've learned this week is... Is this the before the after the show yes. discussion, or is this something new? No. Okay. What we've learned this week is, <laughs> if you go to the YMCA, <laughs> make sure you put a lock on your locker. Oh, yes. So you can explain what I mean by that. Yeah, I, I'm not a... Uh, I'm not a rosy-eyed, see-the-world-through-idealistic you know, eyes at all. I think people are assholes, right? I just think that in general. Don't take it personally. Present company excluded, of course, and anyone who's listening, blah, blah, blah. But, I mean, in general, people are pretty, ugh, right? So, I go to the Y, now, more of a regular, and I just put my stuff in the locker. I never take anything valuable, because I just... Why do you go to the YMCA? Do you go to have a good meal and do whatever you feel? They don't have meals, and to do whatever I feel <laughs> is to sit on the on my butt and do nothing. So no, I go to the Y to go in the pool. That's all I really I do. See. And the pool, the hot tub, and the sauna. So I would just stick my bag. I always have the same exact routine, even though I'm not a routine person. But this helps me find my bag and stuff every time. So pick a locker. It's almost always the same number. Put my bag in, hang it on the hook, stuff my clothes in in the top of my bag, put my sandals under the bench. Put all my stuff, dirty underwear, on one side at the top, and then jewelry and stuff over on the other side. Close the door. I don't lock it, because I have nothing in there. My car key's stuffed down in my bag. I don't have any money or anything in there. I leave all that in the car. So this week, as when I went, um, I went because I one thing was I was going to the pool, but I they had told me they had found my swimsuit. I got there. They hadn't, so I couldn't. So I was just taking a shower. I thought, I'm here. Why not? You know? So all I did was went, took a shower, went into the sauna, came out maybe 40 minutes altogether because I stay in the sauna quite a while. And in that time, someone had gone through lockers. My clothes were thrown on the bottom of the locker. My bag was kind of flipped open. Things were shuffled around. And so when I got up to the counter, I said, have you had any reports of things getting stolen? And the guy's like, teenage boy, oh, no, ma'am. No, and, and we can't watch everybody all the time, and we can't have cameras, and blah, blah, blah. So, I, get, I still didn't put a, lot, a lock on it. But So, nothing was stolen, but no. it easily could have been. Absolutely. So, yeah, if you go to a communal-type uh, place. I mean, everybody knows that. Most people are more, um, um, what's the word, like, paranoid than me. I'm a more, maybe I'm a fatalist, because I think that shit's going to happen, right? But if I put a locker, a padlock on my locker at the Y, it's not going to come over. But in the the YMCA song, you can do whatever you feel. (laughs) Those people can actually go there to rob you. You're right. Because it's it's actually advertised right now. You are right. Do you think the YMCA, (laughs) that's their theme song? (laughs) Do you think the YMCA, that is their theme song? I think they live by that theme. That's Apart from true. the meal. There's no meal. Now, people listen to this are going, well, duh, of course you put a lock on your freaking locker, you idiot. But I just don't, you know, I can't blame it on small town childhood, but there's a whole different mentality when you're raised in a very small community than in a city. We didn't lock our cars. We didn't lock our house. We didn't... I'm the opposite to you. You didn't go... You went grocery shop and leave your car running on the curb because you're going in for milk and bread. And then you get to your, then you take off because like it's too hot. Why would I want to turn my car off? The air conditioner's on. I'm only going to be in there for three minutes. 
Nobody steals your car. And I am the total opposite. I lock doors. I <laughs> if we get out of the car and the window's just a little bit open. You lock the toilet the- door. The bathroom door in the house when there's just the two of us here. I, I lock it in, in the house when there's just me here. <laughs> it's just a habit. Like, it's a home invasion and someone like can't get in while you're taking toilet. shit. <laughs> that's like your panic room in there. No, I do, I, yeah, I do. I actually do lock doors when I'm on my own. So that's just a habit, right? Stay, I don't even think about it. It's not. Is this what is this podcast about? Locking. <laughs> well, actually, it does tie in quite well. So, it's Saturday, May the 26th, uh, 2012. This is episode 225 of After the Show, the podcast where we watch a movie and then review it after the show. Right. Clever. And then See what we did there. Some other things we talk about other stuff, too. Like Underpants and YMCA and stuff. So, like the that. movie we're looking at this week is Safe House. Yes. See what I'm saying? Um, and it's a Blu-ray release. It's a bit of a stretch. I, I have actually got an alternate title for this movie, and it's not so safe house because <laughs> you will, you know. Yeah. Spoiler, you know. Yeah, well, it's not a very safe house. Anyway, <laughs> so this consistently is consistently in the movie. <laughs> it's a 2012 movie. It'll be released in a couple of weeks, the 5th of June, uh, 2012. So you'll be able to get it then. This is an early look. It's an R-rated movie. The tagline is, no one is safe, which is a really good tagline. It sounds really... But it's a good tagline when you see the movie. It is good. It's from our friends at Universal, and you are going to give us a synopsis of Not So Safe House. Just just to start off with, it's just one of those super fat days. This feel like super fat. That has nothing to do with Universal's movie, (laughs) Safe House. It has to do with me, and I'm just telling you, you know, one of those women will understand there are days when you feel like Jabba the Hutt. You just can't. And there's no seem, seemingly no explanation except a few hours ago I did eat chips, potato chips, and chip dip, and That's I think that it. might have done the trick. So I'm feeling like that kind of feeling today. All right, so safe house. What's it about? <laughs> it's not about being fat. Mm-hmm. Safe house is um, what would you call it? A thriller action, not thriller, action-packed story about. Um, CIA agent, CIA agent gone rogue, and, you know, oh, it's hard to describe. It's just mostly action, and about betrayal, and trustworthiness, and then, um, I what think is this genre it's almost like the idea, the theme is almost taken from the story of the dude who eventually started WikiLeaks, which is an American thing that... Somebody got a hold of a bunch of documents and leaked them to the press and to the internet. Espionage type yeah. stuff. Yeah, but more than that, it's about yeah, like yeah, how, how how fucked up it is, like the levels of of corruption. Corruption. But then ultimately, it is a very character-driven story. So I'll onto the. Movie. All right, so Safe House, um, starring Denzel Washington and Ryan Reynolds. Um, didn't know a lot about it apart from in my I must have seen something because I was mm-hmm. like oh there's Denzel as a bad guy it's, or he's seemingly so like I knew something about it so uh, I want to start by saying I really liked it a lot because I do like these kind of movies um, you know if you're familiar with movies like Bond uh, movies or um, this there's others, uh, Michael Clayton even, something like that where it's kind of a twisty and turny kind of thing, but more action packed this one. Oh, Michael Clayton was really good. Too. Yeah, but it still has that um, double crossing and all that kind of stuff. Um, the corruption thing. Yeah, corruption. Like it's hopeless. Yeah. It's almost like a zombie movie. 
Yeah. <laughs> Everyone is infected with this shitty attitude. And so this one. Can't escape it. I um, really enjoyed it. Um, but there are several things I didn't enjoy. Um, I'll start with the things I didn't enjoy first. Shaky camera action. Um, yeah. The direction style of this thing. They were trying to do... I could clearly see they were trying... Like Jason Bourne stuff. Like, let's get... I felt more Tony Scottish. Or Tony Scottish. It's yeah. a mixture, really, because Denzel's in there. But it's a mixture. It's like, first off, the shaky camera. It's not terribly uh, used in this one, like it is in some movies. But it's enough to kind of take me out of the story slightly sometimes, because I'm like, that shot could be static. It doesn't need to keep moving. And the other thing I didn't really like is the colour grading on the movie. Now, they did that, like, teal-slash-red thing where it... where if you look at Cape Town, photographs of Cape Town, they don't look like it, this movie makes it look. Like they've cranked up the saturation. Yeah, I'd rather have a natural look. And it, yeah, it's like a Tony Scott trick. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm sure, I don't think he patented it, but we saw it first in things like Man on Fire. Um, and that, I would have rather just seen like Johanna, uh, um, Cape Town um, natural. I don't think it needed that. So stylistically, I didn't like it. All of it, or just pits and pieces? Most of it. It just seemed all... The color. The colors kind of threw me out a bit, and the shaky cam. But what I did like, if you take the stylistic edge off it, the story, I, I actually quite like. Even though the story feels like I've seen it before. Sure. Um, it had a few twists and turns that I didn't expect. Um, and it's not a complicated... It's not really a complicated story. In fact, it's one of those ones where you... They don't even tell you that much about it. They kind of say, this is happening, this is happening, this is important, but you don't really need the details of it. Um, and then that it's going to unfold. So, yeah, it's pretty basic, the story. and The the story isn't complicated, but it shows a complexity of humans and it do, it our, our fucked-upness about power and corruption and stuff. That is what la- That's the layer of complexity that I like about it. Because yeah, but it's pretty straightforward. Some movies try too much to get you focused on the thing, the thing of it. You yeah. know, this that we're chasing and that that we're chasing and this that's going to happen. And yet, underneath all of that is always the motivations and the choices and the reasons. And that's why I like this movie. Now, if you've not seen the movie, don't listen anymore because <laughs> I might spoil a little bit of things. So, uh, and hopefully every week, if you've not seen the movie... Wait until you've seen the movie, or if you already saw it theatrically, fine, listen to it. Is that how reviews are supposed to work, do you reckon? Aren't reviews supposed to tell people? Well, some people don't care, so then just listen. Like, I'm just going to tell you, I'm telling you some plot points. We're the kind of people who, if you've never listened before, we like to, well, I don't, but you like to watch a movie and then read loads of reviews about it to see people who disagree with you and agree with you. Other people sometimes, might be listening to a review to get the idea if they want to see the movie. Sometimes I like to read reviews after I've seen a movie because there are points in the movie that I um, question myself and I want to see if other people... And generally they do. I, I, you know, this movie... There are several points in this movie I was thinking of and I went to have a look what other people were saying and they were pretty much saying the same thing I was saying in my head. So, And you're not an egocentric person. I am. And I don't like to think of other people having the same ideas as me. So I, I listen and read nothing. Right. I like to just... I like your opinion. That's it. So this movie starts with Ryan Reynolds' character. He's a um, safe house... Um, what do you call it? Caretaker? Mm-hmm. Um, 
And a safe house, not talking about a safe house for, like, battered women or whatever. I'm talking about, like, a safe house for where the CIA will take important... Criminals. Criminals to keep them safe from other people so they can get information from them. Um, so he runs one of the... Well, he's, he's the only employee at one of them. Essentially, because of the way it's portrayed, he's like a babysitter of this place. Basically. There's no action, there's, there's nothing, nothing happening. So yeah. he's kind of one of these... Um, He's starting up, and that's the shit job. The shit job. Just sit there, and he's been sat there for a year, and he's basically had no action, nobody's coming. And you get that established very quickly in a very reasonable way. I didn't have a problem with that. It was a little bit forced. Kind of like that immediate... Introducing you to his private life. So you kind of see how he is, like, with his girlfriend. But then as the next few minutes play out, you it makes sense. So I didn't have a problem. Yeah, and then... Then he is at work at the safe house, and the S hits the F. When Denzel... <laughs> the S hits the F! When Denzel... Nice. Um, is Denzel Washington is a... Rogue CIA Rogue agent. CIA agent who the government want to question. Um, so they they bring him in here, and then then the, the shit really hits that the That sequence of how that came to be was so, so intriguing. Yeah, was really I, was, I was hooked right Actually, away. the action sequences are really good. So it, it gets to this point where he's there. And then if you think this movie is just about them sitting around mm-hmm. in a safe house, it actually is not. And the safe house is like... I mean, there are several, there are a couple of safe houses in the movie. But the safe house is a very, very small um, thing of the movie. I thought at first, when we were introduced to this like elaborate safe house with... This yeah. superb security system. It was going to be a movie that takes place in this building, like the entire time, and maybe it gets assaulted, maybe it doesn't. So you're saying the title's like a MacGuffin? It kind of is, because then it turns out not to be that, right? So the safe house is a small thing. But um, I liked the idea of the safe house. I thought they could have stayed there a bit longer, actually, because it was really like kind of cool, the thing. Then they didn't, you know, they got out quick. But the action sequences that take place... They rival... I, I love the action sequences sure. in, the, in the Bond movies. And these rival them, I think, because they just feel like action, you are there. Action, fights. Uh, fights and car. Okay. Um, the car... The, from when the safe house gets assaulted at the beginning, there's literally a 20-minute action sequence where they're on the run. Yeah. I, I looked at the... It was 20 minutes. Why would you be, why would you be looking at that? Because I... When it started, I looked at the remote control, and then when it had ended, I looked, and it was twenty minutes. I don't. Why? Why do you? Because I, I wanted to mention it in the in the thing. Because okay. like how long that that it's like a twenty minute. Um, it doesn't really cut away from the point of view, and it's just like a chase. Um, really good. Big action, then a chase. Yeah, like a, like it rivals like up. a bar yeah. movie. Or I was thinking of the car chase from Ronin. If you've seen Ronin, it was like that car chase. Um, but really, really super like Raw. crashes and yeah, and like the bomb ones, I like that. Um, there's lots of fight sequences in this movie um, that are really. But I didn't get bored one time, and I am not a fan. No, there's of a fight, fight sequence fight with Ryan Reynolds and a dude towards the end. A dude similar to him, similar kind of. Kind of breathtaking. It's like a real fight. God. It seemed like I felt like. <gasps> It yeah. just still makes me think, why do men like to beat the shit out of each other? I know in, a, do in a moment of survival, <laughs> yeah. I get it. Well, maybe, yeah. Maybe it's not like. Maybe there's something primal in you that just makes you want to, you know, belly up to each other and knock the shit out of each other all the time. That survival instinct for you is different than for a female version of a human, but that makes me think it's really... 
it's like built in. Even these actors doing it. And it's it's not super choreographed, although you obviously as a movie lover person, you know everything's planned out, but as you're watching it, there's a lot of like real smacks and bangs into the walls and they seem to be not enjoying it, but almost like it's giving them a kick, you know, like and we've watched two action movies in a row, Contraband last week and Safe House this week. And I can thoroughly say I enjoy Safe House more mm-hmm. in terms of the plot and the action. I just think it was really, it was just more interesting, I think. Um, it does, you know, it does have similarities to a Bond movie in Absolutely. a lot of ways. Like it's, how can I, you I know they're not trying to How can you get away from that though with this type of I a mean, thing? I mean, you can't really, can you? We have an intergovernmental agency tracking down what as our human as our humanity has established are sort of like the worst kinds of bad guys the ones who manipulate things at such a high level in governments that then cause and maintain wars and all that kind of stuff you know all that there's not a lot of there's not a lot of room I mean you can get lots of stories out of it but ultimately you're always going to have the little guy versus the big guy little guy versus the government the horrible bad guys versus the the big U.S. government or the British government and the evil versus good. So I don't know and this how one else was can like, you tell those stories. I guess you got. I'm just talking about like. I mean, Michael Clayton does it in a way where it's like the big huge corporation versus this little story in a way that makes you it's different. But these action ones, I don't know how else to. Um, Green Zone, I thought did a pretty good job of making it different. Yeah, because it was more military style. But it's still the same kind of a thing. Like, what's going on here? Big conspiracy-ish type of attitude um, versus what's right and what's wrong and all that kind of stuff. I mean, this one was well done um, and and easy to follow. I mean, it doesn't get complicated. That was was the thing I was thinking about. Some of them do. Um, Body of Lies is a really good movie. But it is kind of complicated. You have to really be on your toes listening to everything. Yeah, I'd have to watch it again. And this one is not like that. It's... Because, like I say, the thing that's the thing is just a thing. There's not really any details much on it. It's just like, okay, here it is, and you see it at the beginning. And yeah, then and now that you say it, I was going to say it's more about these characters and stuff, but then it's not even wallowing in the characters like Unstoppable. Unstoppable is about a train that's unstoppable, but then you're paralleling these two characters who have, like, they're kind of wallowing in the, the characterness the actorliness of the characters. You know what I mean? Like, directly paralleling this action that's happening with these characters and how... uh, And this one, I felt like it was balanced just right. Like, we don't have to know everything about these two guys. Yeah, exactly. You know, just enough to get us through this slice of time and then maybe guesstimate about what happens afterwards. And what I actually like about is Denzel Washington's character. He, you know, they establish him as, like, he's a bad guy at the beginning. Um, But then, throughout the movie, there's shades of grey about him. Like, I mean, we don't know his entire... But not that obvious kind, where you go, oh, well, poor guy. You just go, No, you go, well, maybe he's on the side of good, but... He also did some bad shit. Exactly. So what is he exactly? You know, is he is he just an opportunist and this was a good thing for him? This thing that we're talking about? Or is he... Is he... Because he's... Is he still a bad guy? Like, yeah, because he, he got swallowed up in the corruption, and then something flicked a switch for him at some point. And but is he still? But is that just an opportunity? Exactly. To, you know. So yeah, I like that gray area. And 
um, Ryan Reynolds' character being like a fresh-faced kind of uh, slightly naive, but I mean, this is the worst. If he's he does the safe house and he just you know puts people up overnight and then they go off to court or wherever they go, this is the worst day of his life, right? It's just terrible. You said there had been no one. There had been no one at all, had there? <laughs> He'd never really dealt with it. Uh-uh. No. So um, let's go on to the cast. It um, Denzel Washington as Tobin Frost. What I say about Denzel Washington when I said last week about Marky Mark does his thing. Denzel Washington does his thing, but he's on a whole nother level. He's like. <laughs> When it, as soon as he comes on the scene, whatever movie Denzel You're Washington's like, in for me, yeah, he, he's got screen presence, as they say. He's got a power about him. Yeah, like you feel like you're gonna see something good here, like when you see him. Like it's not he, he elevates everything. He's a tiny bit up his own ass, I think, a little bit because he has a very. When we're talking about actors who've been around for like 30 years, right? He's in the elderly, in the actorly world. He's one of the elders, right? He's sort of big top dog kind of thing. And he has moments where he's sort of wallowing in that. A little bit, some of the expressions he does and a couple of things here and there just seem a little bit too... The director maybe didn't say to him, hey, can we try that again because that was a little too self-indulgent or something. There's a couple of moments like that. But what I love about him, are there are times when he looks at Ryan Reynolds as this character. What's his name? Tobin Frost. Right. Tobin Frost. And I am convinced he is Tobin Frost and is having a moment as he must have had when he decided to go rogue, looking at this guy really trying to calculate is this guy for real? Is this guy innocent? Is this guy guilty? Because that's one of his creeds, isn't it? Kind of that's peppered throughout. You don't kill innocent people. Yeah, you don't he even says it innocent. at one point. So he's True. having, but he's, other people, he he does it real quick. He figures them out. This guy, he'll look at him and then he turns his head and he cocks his head back. There are moments like that that make me feel like that's elevating. He doesn't have to say anything. He doesn't have to, it's not overly... You know, like as soon as he walked on the screen, the first time you've seen him, and he's got like an afro at the beginning of the movie. That's awesome, isn't it? Yeah, which is pretty cool. It's a very Morgan Freeman hair there at the first. Um, As soon as he walks on the screen for me, I always think we're in for something a bit better than what we normally, you know, and sometimes exceptional, like American Gangster or... um, Man on Fire. Yeah, or... Training Day. Yeah, which is <laughs> or I guess there's a list. <laughs> yeah, a formed list. There's not much that I have seen where I didn't like him. But so saying I, again, he I'm does his thing. He does his thing. He does, and he's it's his thing though. Like, his intensity. But, but, there, but there again, yeah, it's intensity. But there again, he switches it up because like the dude in Training Day hmm. is different to the dude in American Gangster. You know, it's, he definitely switches it up. I know he always plays an intense kind of dude trying to think has he ever done a comedy or whatever I don't feel like I've ever seen that oh god maybe it's coming yeah, <laughs> babysitter four with meet Denzel the parents meet the father and he's one of like the fucker guy <laughs> Ben Stiller gets divorced from and he has to meet a whole new set of parents and Denzel yeah. Washington is the new father that would probably be funnier than <laughs> meet the parents right get Robert De Niro and Denzel Washington being the funny guys oh my god yeah that'd be pretty good let's not hope for that unless it's really good Universal may be listening to them. Maybe they'll put that to the... No, please don't. Please, please, please don't. <laughs> so uh, Ryan Reynolds plays Matt Weston, and I was never a big fan of Ryan Reynolds. I, mm. I always used to think he was kind of... He like, has moments, yeah. though. But I think recently I've li- I've liked him a bit more, and this one's probably the best one I've seen. I mean, I like Green Lantern, actually. Yep, but, it wasn't um, horrible. 
but I think he was good in this. I actually, I actually think he was good. He was playing alongside Denzel Washington. He's like who could overact the shit out of you if he was. If or he was, um, what I always, what I seem to find as I watch, where you have someone who probably walked, okay, early on in the early days of finding the cast, and you say to Ryan Reynolds, "We've got Denzel." He's, and you'd be like, oh, shit, yeah. shitting in your pants. That instantly would make you raise up your, like, up I can't game. just, don't say that. Please. I wasn't going to say that. <laughs> Makes you just think, um, I'm going to look like an asshole here. I'm going to look like an amateur if I don't figure out the the essence of being an actor, convincing, and not just a poppy kind of other things he's done, like, um, what's the, the restaurant one, and... Even Green Lantern, where I can just be my charming, ha-ha-ha, kind of coy little self. I have to be something different. And that's what you're saying. You get that vibe of Denzel Washington, here he comes. I'm in for something better. And I think as an actor, if you walked on the set and they say, for the next three days we're working on the scene where you're having this long conversation with uh, Denzel Washington. And some of them are very intense, very intimate. And there's a lot of dialogue Good dialogue, even. I felt like all throughout the whole movie, the dialogue was all very solid. There wasn't any quippy, one-liney, bullshitty stuff that kind of elevate or um, there was a bit of expo- a bit of exposition from people bit. that was kind of okay. Yeah, well, every time you had to go back to like the war room at the, the CIA agency, room, yeah. yeah. And but then it wasn't like it wasn't like lame or anything though. It was just let's get back. Can we go back to the action now, please? That's yeah. my thinking. But. If he's sitting there and there's a scene where they're in a hallway sitting on the floor facing each other, kind of battered and bruised, and I'm thinking, if I'm Ryan Reynolds and Denzel Washington, and you're out of character for a minute because they're setting the lighting and Denzel Washington's just sitting there, and do you, how, how do you, do you say to him, look, man, I, I've got this one line, I, I, I'm not sure how to, do you try to get that from him or do you pretend that you've got your shit together and you know exactly what you're doing like I would just think it's like going to a master chef when you have only learned how to boil macaroni do you ask them loads of questions or do you just sort of like observe and fake your way through it because I would be I don't know and you can see it sometimes but in this I felt like in particularly those ones where they're face to face his whole demeanor was really Solid. I, was I guess impressed. what I what I was worried about was on the cover, like on that cover there. Anyway, really big. It says Denzel Washington, Ryan Reynolds. I was thinking it's kind of an odd matchup because we know Denzel Washington how good he is, and Ryan Reynolds to me hasn't proved himself that well to me yet. You're hoping I it's was, not like uh, Bruce thinking, Willis and what's that guy's name in Kevin Smith's movie? You know, you've got the yeah. old hardened, okay guy, solid, and then this. Yeah, smart assy. I was um, hoping that wasn't the case. Thing. And this is this doesn't. He wasn't ounce, this, this movie doesn't have an ounce of humor in it, which is a good thing. It really doesn't. It, it doesn't, and that's a good thing because if you give Ryan Reynolds any cheekiness in this, it would have been awful. <laughs> yeah, know? it really wasn't, and no. that's that's why that's the part that's good about him, isn't it? Yeah. Because I can't be swayed by charm and shit. Cheeky. Oh, well, no, I won't say that because there are certain actors and actresses that can that I salivate over for the most superficial of reasons. But he's never won me over, and this subtracting all of that. Now I'm I'm happy to go back to another cheeky movie and maybe watch him a little bit differently now because I think well he's kind of proved yeah that he can do. I mean the- he can do silly comedy stuff. Obviously we've seen him. We've seen him in Blade. Like- Three. You know, he was yeah. alright in Blade, I thought. Yeah. 
No. I wonder how this experience for him, working on this movie for three months with what seems like a serious director, Denzel Washington, a different kind of thing, than the next movies he does. How does that impact? This is like any trade or any art form. You just learn from it, piece it all together as you go. So Vera Faminga is Catherine Linklater. I always um, like her. Yeah, I really like her too. Oh, another person who seems to elevate stuff. But there again, I feel like she's getting a little bit typecast into the lady in a suit who's in the war room type. You know some stuff. Yeah. She was in um, Source Code, the last one we Correct. saw her in. Uh, in the same, almost the same role. I hope she doesn't just keep taking that role. It does, She's good at it. Yeah. But it'd be a bit boring if, if, if every every single time we saw what her. What do you want like to this. see her in? I'd like to see her in a comedy. I'd like to see her in a... Do you think that if you put her, her, knowing her, I think she's, like, super capable of being, like, the, um... Could she have played the role that Ryan Reynolds played, for example? Minus the fight scenes. I know that people could then go, like, there's no way a woman could fight these guys. Okay, we'll take that out of it. I just mean in terms of a character. I think she could carry off something like that, where she's the other main leading person. She could. in an action... tough kind of way, Being or a transporter kind of a, play off that kind of a role, something like that where she'd be really intense. I don't want to see her in a romantic comedy. Not a romantic comedy. I'd like to see her in something maybe or like, like a bit kids risque. kids are all right. That kind of stuff isn't too pushing, pushing it, you know. Or a, you know, I don't know. But yeah, she, I hope she doesn't become the lady in the suit who's the, you know, the authority woman all the time because it'd be really boring. She'd be good like La Femme Nikita. You want to go with that again? Well, she is really good. Um, and then Brendan Gleeson plays her partner in crime, uh, David Barlow. If there's one thing to... Brendan Gleeson never seems to get a uh, break. He's always that guy. Like, yeah. she's becoming that woman. He's always that guy. And if, you know, if Bond... If you have anything to learn from the Bond movies, don't trust the fat guy in the suit. <laughs> <laughs> the white, fat, balding white guy. Don't, don't trust the institutionalized <laughs> bureaucratic man who... In any movie, don't ever trust that one. Don't ever trust that guy. Um, because And Brendan Gleeson is so tight-cast into that guy. He, he is. What other what else has he been in? Like? I don't know, but if you looked at a list, <laughs> he'd be always be... Was he, was he Blood Diamond, or was he one of those? Oh, he this, was... it, it, it could have been in Michael Clayton, for all I know. I, I see him in a suit. I see him as an authority figure. I see him in the back of a limousine. Where he's good at social manipulation or social um, engineering of people, yeah. getting their trust, pretending to be the stable person. Yeah, he's yeah. a typecast guy. He's good at that part, but literally I, I have yet to see him in anything else where I'm like, oh, well, that's a different role for him because he never is. And then I put down um, Nora Arnesia as Anna mm. Moreau, and that she's the girlfriend of Ryan Reynolds. You don't see a lot. You of You don't her. see a lot of her, but I felt like I would like to go look her. I right felt now. I'd like to see she's her. French, in, I'm assuming. Yes, I, f- I feel like I'd like to you know see. She's Absolutely, probably because the part that she did, it wasn't the lovey dovey anything. It was like a European. In fact, that's where this movie kind of altered a little bit from the norm. Whereas they didn't like the love interest in there was in there. To just humanize um, Ryan Reynolds a bit more, so you understand his where he is. But then it wasn't really Hollywooded up, was yeah, it? Yeah, it, was it wasn't more... like a tool against him and all that. No, shit. like because instantly, absolutely, when, when I see a movie and it starts with a young man and a really attractive girlfriend, she's going to get kidnapped or something, mm-hmm. or something's going to harm is going to come to her, and he's going to have to. That's not what this is about. Transformers too. 
yeah. example. And that's not what that's not what this is about. It's not Witwicky. Um, <laughs> or Spider Man. Mary Jane getting yeah. tor- you know, tormented. None of that. But but it works, the relationship, because you understand the sure. deal. So um this is directed by Daniel Espiosa who has directed no more movies that we know, just a couple of short films. And um, and like I say, I did not like this style of... Um, I think what I did like was the way the camera was during the chases. I felt like that was really good, but I don't think that's down to the director. No, I think that's not. down to Stuntman all the and rigs that have already been built. I mean, the rig has been built, and the cameras are where they are. And you do the car chases because it's part of a big piece of machinery. And then the director would just pick. So I think he didn't have any control specifically over, like, you know, all that kind of stuff. That teal red. But the fight scenes where you're right in there and then you're right back, it's okay. Except, like you said, I felt a little bit like standstill. The teal red mm-hmm. um, saturation uh, for me. Teal red? Teal is blue. Yeah, like a, it's like the opposite ends of the spectrum. Everything red is kind of pulled oh, out and yeah. everything teal is kind of pulled out, right? So you see more of those colours than anything else. And for me, it's been done in other movies. Um, but in now, I have this proclivity where when it appears, I kind of go, ah, and I can't unsee it. It's like, oh, they've done that. And it's in every scene. Like, it's in every scene in this. District- Even the scenes in the war room are overly blown. Did District 9 have any of that? No, District 9 didn't. It was South really Africa. natural. District we didn't say this movie's set in South Africa. Yeah, Cape is. Town, obviously, yeah. South Africa. But that was a fantastic yeah, choice Yeah, uh, District 9's all not overblown. It, it looks like a natural. documentary that's filmed in South Africa. Sun-saturated, but not... No, South dumb. Africa is a beautiful-slash-poor-slash-odd... It's a place that is needs to be Dynamic. seen as it's, it doesn't need a teal thing going on. And in this movie, they, he never lets up with it. Even the war room where the CIA people, even that is, like, saturated. And I was like, come on, if you're going to do it occasionally, do it. Like, like Tony Scott does. Tony Scott mixes it up, right? So it doesn't get overly annoying. To me, it's like, oh, God, that sky's not supposed to be that colour. Stop doing that, like. So, right. I don't know if that... It didn't affect me. So, I guess it's... You said once you've noticed it, you can't... Once you've seen it, you can't unsee it. And for me, as soon as I saw it, I was like, okay, I hope that is a Tony Scott thing where he switches it on and off. Because if that's on the entire time, it's going to definitely scar the movie for me. And it did. Because they didn't need it. It was a beautiful place they were filming, and there was lots of interesting locations. I wonder if, though, in the end, when they get when you get footage from your first unit, your second unit, your third unit, if in the editing room you start going, look, guys... You didn't get the footage we needed during that time of day. It's We can't redo it. How do we make it work? Well, we have to make everything else... We have to do something to... That's I don't what, know that it's always a deliberate thing. Well, that's what color grading is about, generally. Yeah. Like, um, you choose a color palette for your but film, you might have that's one what you do to But your footage that just can't be brought to everything else. You're going to have to bring... Every, you're going to have to do something to it that every... You know, so... It's just so extreme, that color palette, for me. It makes it more natural-born killers than... And it works in Natural Born Killers. It's like supposed to be like, like a comic book or whatever, like like ridiculous and Sin City. It's one of those with crazy colors. Yeah, not real. And shit. Like I'm thinking more like yeah, Sin City is different because it's a cartoon novel. But like Natural Born Killers is filmed. Just, it's just normal, no, not normal people. It's people <laughs> being psychotic running around, and it has this horrible splashes of color everywhere and weird. It makes sense in this movie. It doesn't make sense because it's pretty much a. It's a. It's, you're just going for style over. 
If the movie was yeah, the bad, substance, exactly. Yeah, it's not. If you, yeah, like contraband. Yeah, it had a more of a style about it, it that overrode sort. Yeah, and because the substance didn't always wasn't lifted up enough, that kind of balanced it out. But you're right. But this has away, a good base to it, yeah. so it doesn't need like this. You extra. take away all the style choices. You're still left with really good characters, a good. Uh, a good, you know, track that they're on in terms of the choices they're making and what's going to happen with these characters. How does it affect all... You know, that's the... I mean, some could say this is predictable and stuff. It is on occasion, but then there are some extra things thrown in. But yeah, for me, I'd like to see the version where it wasn't graded and it just looks like South Africa, you know, standard. Um, But... uh, I don't know if it's the director's choice or the editor or what. I'm assuming it's the director who chooses how his film looks. You know, could be the cinematographer, could be the because oh, it's all done in in the edit in the post. Well, when they're developing the the film, they choose to have a grade put on it, a color. So I don't know who chose it. Who chose it? Shouldn't have. <laughs> Unlike, unless you said it didn't fit the different. Yeah, that you um, had to. All but then you still don't have to do that. Get everything to the same thing because this piece is not going to work. So, so um, in terms of Blu-ray extras here. Um, even the cover is in black and white and then it has like safe house in really bright red like, so they're even trying to be stylistic there um, so in terms of extras it has it has a few not a lot to be honest it has making safe house hand to hand action shooting the safe house attack build, building the rooftop chase behind the action inside the CIA and safe harbour Cape Town they are exactly how they sound very good on the set um, really, yeah, quite more in detail than yes, some are. It's very not, good. It's not the like talking heads thing. It's no, more no. just seeing and how then it's done. The and then you also have a uh, U control, um, which looks really good. Two different U control things: this picture-in-picture documentary style thing, and then there's uh, B-roll footage which you can watch full screen, which is really cool. So like, what B-roll? B-roll is like the. For example, for the example, the guy who's driving the rig that has the car attached to the back so that they get the shots. Well, there's a guy on the front of this big, massive kind of shell of a rig, and he's actually driving the whole thing, where Ryan Reynolds is in a car that has been welded to this rig. Now, the guy in the front, who's just sitting in this sort of dune buggy-looking thing, there's a camera fixed on the steering wheel. He's doing all the driving during the car chase, so there's a camera. You get to watch... That, with no extra sound, no nothing on no, you, just, just seeing the, the raw footage, which it seems like, what was the point of that camera? But it looks like it was mounted to the steering wheel, and it was just basically for, you Somebody know, all white. the behind-the-scenes stuff, yeah. yeah. So, um, yes, you get that. You also get, if you have a, um iPad, you can do the pocket blue thing, where you can see the extras on the iPad while you're watching on the screen. Um, and that's it. It's a, There's no commentary. Which is, a, there's a lot of stuff on the extras, though. But there are a lot of extras. And you could go through and watch it again with the U-Control turned on, which is as good as a commentary for me, because these little pop-up windows... Absolutely. The, and the director does talk a lot. No one's absent in this. Everyone... Yeah, well, it's not... Did no. Denzel do much talking in any of yeah, the movies we watched? Yeah, he did. He talked a little, a little bit. bit. Yeah, it's, it's not like, oh, nobody speak to Mr. Washington. Yeah, exactly. There are some <laughs> extras where you get, like, the whole... Sort of, like, n- the leading woman and man never, ever... Speak all the director. Or the director. It's just all the sort of secondary people, and then mm-hmm. you've got the cinematographer and talking. Not that there's any problem with that, but for some reason, the key players who you might be more interested in, just from their perspective, 
just are absent, you know. Yeah, and that's not the case. Malik is a good example. <laughs> He's not just absent. That's He's probably like the best example. Exist. Pete like, Anderson's a good example too. He doesn't like to talk about his that's movies. Paul Tom Anderson for anyone who isn't in love with him the way you are. And he does not. I mean, he did a commentary on Boogie Nights, but he generally does not do a commentary or talk or anything like. So it's just. Um, Maybe he regrets that. That was like early days, wasn't it, of DVD, when Boogie Nights would have been hitting the DVD. Yeah. Now he's like, no, 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 no. Uh, there will be blood, I don't think he I'm above it. Talked. That's no, what I'm didn't. saying. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's it for DVD Extras. Conclusion, I like this a lot better than Contraband last week. Um, I just, it just felt on... You know, I feel like they're so different types... Both I don't movies. think it's. I don't think it'd be wrong to say if you're gonna tuck into a whole night of action that these wouldn't be two good ones to watch together. Yeah, and they both came out roughly the same time by the same. Again, company. not a lot of women in nope. this one. Got a two more women than little tiny bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, no, contraband. That one, she had more of a part. Than yeah. There's two women in this one that I can think of. Really, only. Exactly. Yeah. Fuckers. Um, <laughs> yeah, so it's another sausage Hollywood fest. is a sexist institution. So yeah, I recommend this. I think if you like Denzel Washington, it's a no-brainer. Um, if you're on the fence about Ryan Reynolds, I think this might change your mind a little bit, because I think he held up there. I was expecting really nothing from him, but I think he delivered a bit. I think it's kind of like when you watched Enemy of the State, you expected Will Smith to be overly... Blah. You know, like, oh, Overly God, Will it's... Smith. Yeah, but that but was he, one where you probably it in, didn't he? turned it around for you, so... Yeah, I think Enemy of the Wiki States, has never quite turned it around yet. <laughs> no. You know what I'm saying? Not really, has he? No. He tried in Eagle Eye, but... It's just the same thing. Didn't really do it. Yeah, I mean... And also tried in Indiana Jones 4. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Still being the cheeky, sidekicky guy, but I think it was supposed to kind of give us a little more credibility, but that didn't work either. He's just the same thing. I don't know why I'm talking about Witwicky, but... He's not Witwicky. I know. <laughs> in fact, his first one we ever saw him in, I Battle feel like... Of shaker Yeah, we saw him back in the day, man, when he was... He wasn't here. anybody then. Nope. He Nobody. Was a, like, they they were auditioning. It was um, Project R- Runway, uh, Project Greenlight, Greenlight, which was a HBO show about... Um, well, like a, like a reality show where you, where you get to make a movie if you win. And that was the movie that got made. And he just auditioned. And they auditioned just kids. And he was what kid who came in and they liked him. And then he became the star of And it was the most substantial part I think I've ever seen him in. I think that's his best role, yeah, I do. Because then he became, like, the annoying kid. Uh, I robot, just the annoying who, little smartass, yeah. Yeah. And then he became Witwicky. <laughs> and he'll always be remembered as that. Yeah, but Ryan Reynolds... He's turned around now for you. Maybe as some people mature, you know? Yep. So, uh, thanks to Universal for the Blu-ray. I recommend this one. Uh, I think it's pretty good. Good night of action at the movies. Uh, if, you, if you're along the line, like Bond, like Denzel Washington. Can't really, can't really yeah. go wrong, I was going to say. So, um, if you want to enter a contest, there are a couple going down this week. Just go to aschoolie.com and enter. Uh, there are a couple of new ones that I will be posting on Tuesday, so visit com on Tuesday. You'll see a couple of new contests. Next week's Blu-ray review will be Young Adult, starring Charlize Theron, um, written by Diablo Cody. Um, and are you interested? Mm, neutral. No, I'm a, I quite like Charlize Theron, you know. I can't wait to see her as a evil stepmother in Snow White. She's also the star of Prometheus. Mm. which I'm really looking forward to. So, um, yeah, that'll be next week. 
so what's the uh, movie game that we play at this segment in the uh, podcast? It is called Movie Memory 1, 2, 3. And the, the game is, I will, you or I will say to each other, name three movies that have blah, blah, blah. And then you have to name three of the movies you've ever seen or known of that feature that thing. Now, if we're doing it in the car, which we haven't done this for a long time because now we have other things to occupy our time, but we have stretched it so far to say, okay, name 12 movies that have semi-trucks featured, and then you have to sit there and dig in your mind, because you have no Google in the car, of 12 movies that have big semi-trucks as a feature. You know a lot I mean? of people do have Google in the car nowadays, so the <laughs> yeah. game is kind of broken for most people. But not for us. I mean, that's the idea of it, is that you have to just remember in your mind and kind of sift through your in uh, your Rolodex of movies in there. So, But we've narrowed it down to three things. So tonight, it is... I want you to name three movies that have a feature as a leading character, an escaped convict. Oh, an escaped convict. Fugitive escaped convict. And no, the fugitive doesn't count because that's too obvious. Is and con- nor does this one. Does Con Air count? They're all escaped. Once the Con Air, once the Con hits the air. <laughs> um... Yeah, essentially, because once they hijack the plane, they are escaped convicts. What about Fly Out of Phoenix? Is there an escaped convict on it? Yes. Who? Uh, The nervous guy? Is he uh, ultimately an escaped convict? I don't think so, no. The fugitive. No, fugitive doesn't count, because it's called the fugitive. Let me think about this. Escaped convict. It's not not as easy as it sounds, is it? Well, once I give you some, you're going to go, oh my god. Yeah. Oh, 16 blocks. Is he escaped? No. No, he just has to get him. Yeah. But you're, you're moving towards it, yeah. Um, he's not escaped, is he? I don't know. I'm not going to bore, uh, <laughs> bore the audience with my not Okay. Knowing. Down by law. Yeah. They escape prison. Natural born killers. They're escaped convicts. They're escaped. Uh, They're fugitives from the law. They get yeah, a, yeah, they, they, get they don't escape they from anywhere though. They get putting incarcerated near the end. Did they not? They got picked up once and then escaped, right? Didn't uh, they kill somebody and get away from? The, they beat up the guy, I thought. But anyway, down by law. Uh, uh, oh my god! Now I'm gonna have to look. <laughs> I had three really good ones. Okay, hold on, hold on. Hold there on. would be. Um, I'm trying to think myself. No, it's, it makes for boring listening. If no, no, no. Oh, brother, where art thou? Down by law and natural born killers. Those are my three that I thought of. Right, this probably. So, hundreds. oh, brother, where art thou? Is a you know really good one. There's actually hundreds of them if you think. Right, about. but that's the game. That's why it's think, hard. If you yeah. can't look it up, it's hard. Yeah. Well, you think. Oh, easy. But wait. Oh, were those escape convicts? Was that an escape convict? And we always say no sequels, no nothing like that. So. That is the game. So, movie recommendations for this week. I am going with, um, on the theme of Safe House, obviously, I'm going with uh, Training Day, which I think is one of Denzel's finest roles. Um, it's superb, that role. Um, it's so it's so not it, him. It makes you lose faith in humanity. Yeah, and it's... <laughs> it's, it's one of those kind of roles. It's, it's the role where I expected things from Denzel Washington, and then he did that, and I was like, wow, that's not what I expect from him. Like, so it's... It's not Denzel Washington. It's really cool. Uh, a Man on Fire, which is, I think, my favorite Denzel Washington movie. Um, Denzel, uh, Man on Fire is a super stylized movie. When I was talking about I didn't like this movie being stylized. 
I like Man on Fire, but then Tony Scott went and overdid it with other movies like yeah. Domino. Um, and some could say even Man on Fire is a little overdoing it, yeah. but it's understandable in that movie because the emotion of this dude is really it's it's a it's a very complicated thing, and it kind of goes with it. Whereas in Domino, it's simply just style to make over it cool. Stuff. Yeah, exactly. Put the words up on the screen this when they're thinking of things. Exactly, and, yeah. and that doesn't do anything for the story or the characters at all. It's just flashcards. And then you know he did I mean? it again with Pelham One Two Three. You know, just did that wonky Where, you know, the story wasn't fantastic, and so you have to do something to keep the audience interested. And so you go for the eye candy over, like, making the story better, or the people better, or the dialogue better. But I truly love Man on Fire. It's one of my favorite Tony Scott movies, aside from um, True Romance. I think of it in my heart, Just I just think of it like, oh, God. There's just so much emotion in that movie. Yeah, it's good. Um, So what are yours? Mine are going to be very obvious. And I'm not usually Mrs. Obvious, but since you're Mr. Obvious, I'm going to take the role this time and say born movies. Which this literally because is. Because it kind just of. puts in your mind, not just because of the action, but the whole arc of the thing of I'm one person amidst this whole entire conglomerate of corruption and how does the world even stay functioning with this kind of shit going on? That's And then the other one, what was my other one? <laughs> oh, from Russia with Love, because as I've repeated many times, that's one of my that's my favorite Bond fight scene is on the train in From Russia with Love with the really super blonde guy. So yeah, yeah, you know, and you could say Daniel Craig's Bond movies are also in the style of Bond. They are, they're, yeah, they're super. Yeah. You know, Bond was a thing, and then Bond reinvented itself and kind of went along those lines. And so does this, you know. There's a lot of that. So we're gonna have to. We're gonna, everyone's gonna get sick of everybody saying "born" after a while. So you're just I think gonna have so, to be. Yeah. It is what it is. It's a new. It's the evolution of action. Yeah, it's like making. Whereas Michael, Michael, what's his face, kind of changed action and big drama movies with Top Gun and Titanic and all that kind of shit. Not Michael Mann. Michael Mann and what's his face, Cameron. They changed the face. What an action movie is gonna look like. That's a whole era, and now we're moving into this new, more raw. raw like, I mean, things change, and there is patterns. Yeah, you can go back and look at seventies action movies; they all kind of look the same. Absolutely. Go back at eighties, same. So, what's same. the next fifty years going to bring? So, yeah, you can pinpoint this style yeah. to like the last five, six years. Um, yeah, it'll go away, and something else will take its place. I don't mind it if it's not overly used, but in this one, it just bugged me a little bit. What? The over stylistic thing of Safe House. Right, but not the fight. Fighting is what I'm talking about right, right now. Right. The fight style. The raw, up close, you're in the guts of the fight. I mean, it's very visceral, and I love... I mean, really good fight scenes in this movie. I mean, with our recommendations and the movie Safe House, you can have your f- share of fighting this yeah. week. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, if you have a penis, you're going to love them all. So games and <laughs> scully stuff this week. I've been playing more of Diablo 3. I'm about... Two thirds of the way through Act Two. What a shock! Um, there's three act, uh, four acts, I believe. Um, but I've been kind of. I, I don't like to rush through a game all in one. It's <laughs> one of my things, isn't it? I, yep. It's the same with anything. If I get a new book, I want to read the whole book in one day. I like to savor it. If it's a um, video game, same. You know. I don't, See, I have a problem. I have the kind. I have a weird thing about. If I buy new paints or a new box of pencils or new, like, four or five packages of erasers, you know, because I like to do artwork and stuff, I I don't want to open them. 
Like, the idea, once I've opened them, then, like, there's no, that's it. Like, okay, now I've got to use them and stuff, and, and then eventually they'll get used up, right? right? And I think it's the same mentality. Like, I just want to use a tiny bit of my paint and a tiny bit of this because I don't want to use it up. Whereas with entertainment, if I get latched onto a show, like you got me MasterChef Australia, I can't stop. I go Whereas episode I after episode. I'll watch six episodes in a row and I'm so tired, but my eyes are glued open to watch it. I can't get enough. And then when it's over, I'm so devastated. I'm like, oh, it's over. Like, so I understand what you're saying, but in a different So that's why I like to savor a game. So Diablo, I'm going through it slowly. Most people have probably finished it by now, but it's not that kind of game anyway. You can go back, play it on harder levels. Uh, awesome game. Um, still having server issues. They're still having auction house issues. Goodness. Fortunately, the times we've played, we've been all right. But um, I have tried to log on in the daytime just to look in the auction house, and it's not been working. So I'm sure that'll get worked out over the next few weeks. Um, I've also... Oh, I was going to mention the game Tom Clancy's Ghost Recon Future Soldier, which I did get this week, but I have not even played it. So I can't tell you what it is or what it's about or whether it was any good, but I will next week. Uh, But I have been playing some of the new Dirt title, Dirt Showdown. I really like Dirt as a series, Dirt 1, Dirt 2, Dirt 3. They are, they used to be Colin McRae Rally games, and then they made them this Dirt games. Now, Dirt Showdown is a spin-off from the Dirt series. So it's not Dirt 4, it's Dirt Showdown. Now, what they did was they took all the rally racing out of it completely and made it like Demolition Derby, all the crazy stuff, like uh, smashing cars into each other, um... There's races where you are, figure of eight races where you, when you go through the figure of eight, you can smash into people. Um, so what they did was they, there's going to be a Dirt 4 at the end of the year, which will be the rally racing title. Now there's the Dirt Showdown, which is all the non-rally racing stuff that people hated being in the Dirt titles. Oh, because it brings it down. There was a lot of the purists who love rally racing who bought Dirt and said, yeah, we like the rally racing bit, but what's all this crap, smashing cars and stuff? Like, mm-hmm. we don't want that. We want to. T- so what they've done now is split them off into two games: Dirt Showdown and Dirt Series. So this is the silly version of Dirt, basically. You know, jumping off things, jumping through hoops, doing demolition derbies, doing races in junky old cars. Where do you, can- you like it? Yeah, I do actually, but it's not as good as Dirt for me because it's it's more silly. You know, it's kind of wears the novelty wears off quickly. Yeah, it's not as good as the Dirt series. It does have a lot of content, and the multiplayer is really good. But it's essentially like the silly parts of Dirt 3 that most people didn't like all in one game, which is sounds kind of bad. I know the people who love Dirt probably won't buy this game, because they this is the bit they didn't want. But um, if you are into smashing cars into each other, there's even modes where the aim is to... You're in you're in an arena, like a big circle, and they keep sending cars to smash you up, and you have to not get smashed. Like, you have to right. outrun them, like, try and trick them. Like mini-games, almost. Yeah, almost. They last a couple of minutes each. Uh, even the races that are in the game, are not they're not rally races, they're round tracks. They're very short tracks, and you finish a race in a couple of minutes. Can you, you know? play, what's it called... On the couch co-op kind of yeah, thing? Yeah, split screen. Bash into each other. Oh, yeah. split screen, really. Well, that's how, that's how any game works if you're on the couch. Well, no, you could have an arena that fills the screen, and then you're driving your car, and they're driving theirs to crash into each other and stuff. It'd have to be... Yeah. You know what I mean? It never works, that, because, like, 
Yeah. Not from your POV, but I mean, not from your point of view. I mean, just like you're oh, looking like at it. Oh, like a side-on thing. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's not like that. It's split screen. Um, but split screen works fine, and it does have that, and you can do all the modes in that. Yeah, people with like a 19-inch TV are going, yeah, split screen's great. Hopefully people <laughs> progress. seven inches or whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's fine on a big TV when you do split. I don't like split screen. It's nothing to do with the size of the screen, because we have a like 51-inch TV in there. And, and I'll even... I've played split screen on my big projection screen downstairs. It's not really about the size of the thing. It's more about how, like, cut off your vision is. Oh, yeah. Because you're not... It's not this big, wide thing. All of a sudden, you're, like, either, like, narrow. It feels really narrow. Or even if they do split it along the Horizontally. Top, it feels really condensed. Like, that's... It doesn't... It's not as good. It just isn't as good. Like, it can't be. You're going to see in the whole thing. Like, on, a, on your own screen. But you can play it over Xbox Live and never have to deal with split screen. So, yeah, Dirt Showdown. I, uh... It's not. It's sixty dollars, and oh, wow. it's, that's a ridiculous price for this game. I think because it's not a proper dirt game. It's not got the amount of content a dirt game comes with. So, at thirty bucks, I would say go for it. And I is think, it thirty dollars worth of fun? Yeah, and I think really it will end up in the bag and bin fairly quickly because I, I don't that. think it's going to go down very well with people. Just because all I heard when Dirt Three came out was, "Why have you put all this silly shit in dirt?" I like, I'm a Colin McRae fan. I have been for years. I want rally racing. A to B, rally racing. The sport of rally racing. This smashing stuff, come, it's nothing to do with rally racing. Why is it? But how it? much better can they make the rally racing game? Uh, re- it, it's, it's amazing, the rally racing. That's what I'm saying. If they you could be more it, of it. Like, more tracks. More tracks, more, right. more cars. Because you have a staff and a company yeah. who's designing and programming and doing the art for this game. You've you've maxed out what we can do with this portion. We still need something else to keep doing. We need more projects. We need more. You know, what I mean, like I how actually, much better. Can I we actually make feel it? this is what I think happened. Right? They they're working on Dirt Four before Dirt Three finishes. You know that. They're the, that's how it works in the game development. They split the team off, and somebody goes to work on the next one, and then they finish up the bugs on the on that product, and then put it out. What I think has happened here is when the backlash happened with Dirt 3 of everybody saying what's all this crashing shit we don't like it I think this was made for Dirt 4 Dirt 4 was going to be this all encompassing thing with everything and I bet they said well these racing fans aren't going to buy the next Dirt look we can make $120 instead of $60 oh these racing fans are not going to buy this next Dirt if it's full of this crashing stuff because they keep saying that's all we're reading from them let's make that a different thing because it does appeal to a different person and then we Again, can sell too. That's what I'm saying. I don't think it's about being good to your consumer. No, I don't think it's making about being more money. good. <laughs> I think it's about making more money. And I think it's like one of those. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you'll see it in bargain bins very soon. So uh, that's it for games this week. Um, there is nothing coming out next week. So I'll just talk about Diab- Diablo 3 again. <laughs> Great. You've been playing though on your Vita. What have you been playing? Trying to play? Plants vs. Zombies. <laughs> I spoke about that a few weeks ago. But yeah. The Endless... Jar mode or whatever, it's kicking your ass. You can play Bonds vs. Zombies forever, it doesn't you matter can. what platform you play it on. It, it's, it's amazing. Great. Yeah. It needs more content it needs and a, not stupid content. It just needs a, a sequel. It really needs a sequel. It's a lot, been a long time. Just add, yeah. I'm, it's preaching to the choir. Yep. So, um, what, Sid Talk, is for dinner? What is for dinner is leftovers. Not that any of you who are listening get any of this dinner. <laughs> no. But you could follow us and make this dinner. You can make this dinner. It is a 
actually, it is... We'd love to invite you all over, by the way. Vegan shepherd's pie. Because every single ingredient, there is no dairy, even though it has day on top. Day is a vegan cheese. It has potato, sweet potato, carrot, a mushroom gravy that was made with cooking a whole bunch of mushrooms down, throwing in two chopped up, the guts of two chopped up zucchini, and then... Onion. A uh, little bit of onion in the gravy. Not much. And then I used the... Uh, Boat motor. The submersive blender thing to like really smash the shit out of it all. And almond milk and water in the gravy. And then I used some vegan seitan that was already pre-made. Which is just like... They call it gluten meat or wheat meat. Good. It's really awesome. Now, you can cook it without that. I feel like the vegetables and the mushrooms I think the mushrooms are meaty enough. Absolutely. But that stuff gives a nice... I put it in the bottom so you have like kind of a, you know, crumbly thing. And then the top is mashed potato and sweet potato and some day on one end and some beets. I slivered some beets up really tiny. What's that called when you make a little tiny skinny julienne? Little tiny thing. Laid them on one end and let them roast on the top. That was really good. So that is what we're having leftover of that, plus a salad. We got this big, massive tomato at the farmer's market. A lady at my work isn't in my department section or anything, but she has she grows tomatoes for the farmer's market, and her tomatoes are amazing. Crazy, Crazy delicious. And uh, we got this big, massive one, and so I'm going to make a cucumber That's the and biggest tomato I have seen in my life. I've seen a few bigger ones at the like the state fair and at county fairs where people mighty. are trying to grow bigger giant ones, but um, it's pretty massive and I just hope it tastes as good as it looks. Yeah, I haven't cut it up yet. I want it to be well. All chop it up and eat tastes it. good. So. Oh, I got some bread to make a little bit of like bread with basil, a little bit of olive oil. Which for the last month, I let all of my oil run out. No vegetable oil, no coconut oil, no olive oil, and I've been cooking without it, except occasionally some of the Earth Balance that I've been using, just rarely. So I bought some olive oil just to do, like, brush on the bread with some basil and some tomato. I thought that would be kind of good to go with our, make a crust, like a toasted thing or whatever. So that is what's for dinner. And then my advice, or my question, I guess, kind of goes with This isn't really advice. It isn't. Um, My advice is to think about this. Why, after millions of years, do we still justify violence as a species, as a way to survive? Like... We aren't in the jungle, we're not in the mountains, we're not in the forests, like, exclusively. Right, but not, you're not, like, there to survive anymore unless you've chosen to be. Um, You're not foraging for food and fighting off wild animals. Maybe some individuals are. But the only thing we're fighting... Feels like when you're you're down out The only reason we're fighting against anything, ever, is is because of each other. Because... There's an asshole over there who wants what I've got, and he's too fucking lazy to get it for himself. So he's going to try to attack me, kill me, do something to me, steal it from me, whatever. Therefore, I'm going to beat the shit out of him first. That's it. I mean, my ideas are different than yours. I'm going to beat the shit out of you until you agree with me. My religion's different than yours, and I I want you to keep your poison mind away from my whole country. So we're going to build borders and bombs and shit so that you don't infiltrate the way we think. That's it. I mean... We're a violent species. For some but reason. are we? Because yeah. we have the opportunity. You and I aren't. No, but as a whole. But are we? We have the mental capacity that we think through things. We've invented things 
individuals have invented things like space travel and ways to grow food better and ways to cure diseases and all that. So we've evolved from that into that. Why doesn't this thing get out of it? Is it just purely, purely primal instinct? Like if we don't keep the instinct to fight, that eventually nature could, you know, do us in like that. I don't know how some alien species come to take it. I don't know. I just don't understand why it's still so... And it's it's not just like you and I, we don't have violence in our day-to-day life, but many, many people do. People down the street, someone across the street, people I know, couples I know, families I know. It's right in their face every day. You better shut your mouth and get the shit out of you. You better sit down I'm going to beat the shit out of you. You better stop it I'm going to smack your ass. Most movies are violent. That's what I'm saying. That's what spurns me to think, that we get a... An entertainment value from it. We have a visceral response to it. We understand it still. The the thing of, that guy's coming at me with a knife. I'm going to fight for my life. Why is that guy coming at me for, with a knife, first of all? Why is, why is anyone violent to begin with? Right. I mean, what are you defending? What are you fighting for? What, do you, what is it? What makes that... Well, if I'm in the woods... Well, country, your... Right, but Why? Mm-hmm. Why does that enemy want to fight me? They're humans, too. Because they want what you got. That's what I'm saying. Why is that still a, you know... I don't think it will ever change. Why isn't the... Not that you don't want what I want. You you want what I've got. You see that I'm prosperous. You see that I have a, a car that you oh, think you is nicer than yours. Right, but why does that boil down to violence? Why can't it be like, fine, you've got a nice car. I think it's because it's the I'm easiest have to thing. Work. I know, but I think it looks really difficult. And really draining. And really ugly. Yeah, but when... Yeah, when them dudes flew those planes into those things, those towers. I know, that's what I'm saying. What on their side, as a human being, through the course of their life on this planet, in their in their community, in their religion, as their, their very specific sect of their religion and culture, is it's, it's a seed that gets planted in every one of their brains. Some of them will, some children who are raised around a mentality, and let's not just isolate people who are, who have become terrorists from another country. We have racists and skinheads and neo-Nazis in America. We have hatred in America where a little child has grown up hearing the words like those N-words better not come over here or I'll blow their fucking heads off. Now that's just planted a seed of violence in a child who might grow up and not think like you, but they're going to hear that. That's the problem. It's just instilled in people. Right, but that grown-up then... It kept going, most, right? Most grown-ups are not very sensible, and they will just carry on with the um, ignorant attitude, like, won't they? You know, it'll just carry on. Yeah, but that's real basic. Like, it's... We've no, done it's so many. Really. It is. That's a basic excuse. We've done so many other things. That just... I think... If we had to survive... 80% of us are stupid. If we had to survive against an, another a race from another planet, from another galaxy that then came, and we're trying to, you know, obviously either... As we've seen in movies. I can only go from movies and TV. Suck our resources or dominate us or take what we have. As a unit, as humans, I see, we would have to fight for our survival. But if my neighbor doesn't like my religion, why does that make me want to punch him in the face? Like... You mean you? Anybody. If if so my neighbor... Or if, my, if, if someone too. I talk to doesn't like the fact that I say to them, well, I don't really eat meat anymore because I just think now, like, I don't really want... I just don't want to eat dead animals and I just think they have a right, maybe, to do their own thing. There are people who I can see in their face. It gives them this, like... Like this... Um, not violent, but this aggressive reaction. 
Like, what are you saying? And do you feel aggressive towards that attitude? No, I feel like walking away from them. I feel like, do your own thing, man. Like, get over it. Say, I think 80% of people are never going to change and just going to stick with the whatever they taught by the parents or whatever. You know, not have their own thoughts. Just go, oh, my dad didn't like black people, so neither do I. I think literally 80% of yeah. people would be that way. But it's not just the... I'm not just talking about that. The violent part of it. That... that thing where you just want to jump to it and, and like suppress and destroy the thing that you don't like or don't just don't understand instead of understanding it or walking away from it my neighbors are catholic i don't like catholics i'm not speaking for myself because i don't give a shit about religion but i'm saying as a person who doesn't like catholicism right okay fine they're catholic whatever let them live their life why doesn't that's exactly me. how I feel even if my child goes to their house and hears them discuss it or sees their rituals it's not damaging your child it's just giving them more things to think about in this life that are different from what you think it's not a threat it isn't anything it's something more to add to what you know about this life and to understand ourselves better so the violence I, I'm just I understand it to a degree because if someone were to walk in that door right now with come at us with some sort yeah, of like aggressive get that vacuum cleaner exactly. and come up the exactly. I would scratch every eyeball out that I could because I think it's built in I would fight with a vacuum cleaner every animal in nature I think has a an instinct to survive I don't want that to go away because I never I mean I've been in situations where you, it kicks in but I just mean against things that don't make sense to be aggressive about when does how many thousands of years will it take us to get rid of that I wonder Millions. And that's not advice, by the way. <laughs> no, my advice is to think about it. All right. So, thank you for listening to the show. Think about what you're teaching your children about violent words and aggressive ways of dealing with different ideas instead of accepting them or walking away from them. There you go. Thanks for listening to the show. I want to remind you about our websites, ascoli.com and sitsaw.com. You can catch us both on Twitter, Facebook, Xbox Live, YouTube... You can catch this podcast on the Zoom Marketplace. The RSS feed on the page, just go to aschoolie.com, click on the word podcast, all your stuff will be found there. Or just go to the iTunes Music Store and uh, you can download it on your iDevice. You can also email feedback to me at Don't email Sitok. She does not want your um, email. <laughs> your violent emails. And... <laughs> Um, stay classy, Mr. Denzel Washington. Awesome actor. I want to see another 10 years of Denzel at least. Only 10? Well, you're, well, he is, he's you're 50, dooming him. He's 58 years old. Gee, many Christmas. You have a weird thing about age. When you get to 70, you don't want to be making movies when you're a millionaire. Absolutely. You can make movies. Peter O'Toole made movies. He was awesome in um, Venus, and he was like 80-something. He's, he's a, don't um, dismiss people for their age. I'm not dismissing him for the age. I'm just saying he probably wants some me time when he gets older. <laughs> I think he gets a lot of me time now. And I'm going to say, think for yourself. Or someone else is going to beat it out of you. No, or someone else will do it for you. One way or the other. <laughs> <laughs>